It's great being here. My name's San, by the way. Um, for church family that are watching, you might know my ugly mug, <laughs> know who I am. But for those that might be catching up during the week or maybe you're just exploring Christianity, you find yourself online, you find yourself on YouTube and you've stumbled across us. My name's San. I'm part of this church community called Vine Life. And it's my privilege to be speaking to us today. We're going through a series in the book of Acts. For some, you know exactly what that means. For others, you have no idea. But our, pra- our prayer, uh, I'm here with some friends in this large room. We are socially distanced. And, um, but, we, you know, the presence of the Lord is with us. The presence of Jesus is with you. Somehow our prayer is that you'd encounter this wonderful Jesus yeah. today. Today. So if you have a Bible, um, why don't you turn to Acts chapter 8 that's where we are Acts chapter 8 I had to think um we just want to give you a little recap as you're turning there um if you remember we're going through the series now we're several messages in um and we started the series you remember M Hodges started the series brilliantly well just launching us off but this this one phrase in Acts 1 verse 8 where Jesus says you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Sorry, Ben, I didn't give you these references, so they're not coming up on the, on the screen. Uh, but just trust me, I turn to your Bible, it's in there. Acts 1 verse 8, you'll receive power when the Spirit comes upon you, and you're going to be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And up until this point, this has all been happening in Jerusalem where this, this little ragbag group of people, group of Jesus followers, have suddenly filled with the presence, the power of Jesus, and it spilled out, started transforming Jerusalem. Jerusalem. But the story has now shifted. Where we are in Acts, it's gone, the story shifted. So it flowed out from Jerusalem. The people of God, empowered, have flowed out from Jerusalem through Judea, and we're now kind of in Samaria. Um, and followers of Jesus are f- now beginning to face great persecution. Like, we live, I, we live in the West. Where we are right now, we're in the West. I'm in the West. My friends here are in the West. We're in Manchester. And some are facing persecution. Some of your lives, I know, are tricky and t- painful and challenging. Some people don't have food and water and shelter. We know all this. But the persecution they were facing was very extreme. You know, they were being martyred for their faith. Um, this great persecution. If you remember, John did such a stellar job for us last week, looking at the person of Stephen, how he is a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, how he was not only persecuted, but he was the first martyr, the first follower of Jesus to be killed for his faith, his confession in Christ. So we're now Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, persecution has broken out. Acts 8 verse 1, this is just all by way of introduction, by the way, says a great persecution broke out and the people of God were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Acts 8 verse 4 and 5, now those who were scattered went around preaching the word, excuse me, and Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ to them. So Peter has moved out, sorry, not Peter, is it Peter? (laughs) Philip, Philip has moved out. I get my peas muddled up. <laughs> Philip has moved out from Jerusalem and he's now in Samaria and he's going more south from there. But he has been empowered 
as this Jesus follower carrying the reality of the risen Christ on the inside of him. That's what people are encountering. So we're going to pick up the story with Philip and an Ethiopian eunuch in chapter chapter 8. Oh man, I'm soon to need glasses. I can hardly see this small text, so forgive me for holding my Bible up here. Um, So chapter 8, verse 26, we're going to go down to 39. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise, rise up and go towards the south to a road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose, Philip rose and he went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candice, queen of the Ethiopians. And this Ethiopian eunuch was in charge of all of her treasure. Amazing. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. So he'd obviously had some measure of this understanding of the Jewish God, this this God that people were worshipping. And he was returning, sitting in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him, heard him reading Isaiah, and he asked, do you understand what you're reading? And and, And the Ethiopian eunuch said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come and sit with him. Now, the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep that was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life was taken away from the earth. And this reference here is Isaiah 53, the suffering servant, all about Jesus. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom do I ask you? does this prophet talk about? Who on earth is this talking about? Then Philip opened his mouth, beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news of Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded this chariot to stop. And they both went down to the water's edge and Philip and the eunuch went down there and Philip baptized the eunuch. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. This is just bonkersville. Like, as you read this, like, oh, yeah, as you do. Like, the spirit just carried Andy away somewhere. And we saw him no more. That would be terrible, actually. (laughs) Sorry, bro. Um, And the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. This is crazy. Like, the activity of the Holy Spirit. Like, the this, this story here speaks for itself. Philip listens to God. He responds to God. He meets this Ethiopian eunuch, and he guides him to encountering Jesus. So we're just going to go on a bit of a journey today. And the first thing I want to say is it's crucial for us, no-brainer, that we remain open to the voice of God, listening to God. Like, we're a people filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember, right at the start of the series, we kept referring to it's about the works of Jesus empowered by the Holy Spirit in the life of his disciples. So we have the Spirit, so we get to hear his voice. Philip was open and receptive to the voice of God. Verse 26 says, And an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go south. And Philip responded. We don't quite know the full process here. These is just a written account. We don't know the, the full narrative because it almost appears to like Philip just woke up and went. What kind of process was there? Was he, was he kind of processing this in his mind? or was so, like We don't know, but what we do need to know is he obeyed. God spoke 
and Philip obeyed. And this, through his obedience, someone's life rad radically altered, changed their life. God had something set up, a plan, a purpose. He wanted this Ethiopian man to encounter Jesus through the life of Philip. That was the plan. He had it divinely set up. So I want to ask us a few questions at this point. Are we open to God speaking to us? Friends, are you open to God speaking to you? So easy to go through the motions and we turn this thing into religion, like some sort of weird morality that we're just part of this club. We're part of a body of people, a family, where the living God dwells and abides. This God who made the cosmos, who made the earth itself, lives and abides here with us. So he speaks and he speaks to us. Are we open to God speaking? Are we listening to where he wants to move and guide and direct us? Do you ever get those senses that he places someone on your heart? I do. Sometimes you, you get this sense of, this, this, I'm, I'm getting this leading, this, this, this prompting, if you like. Do you ever, you ever feel that? you ever sense that? Sometimes if you're in a shop... Uh, <laughs> My creativity so limited. <laughs> Just if you're in a shop, on the bus, in a taxi, going down the street, at school, at uni, in, like with your friends, you ever have that sense that, man, I just feel directed to that person. I just feel like God wants me to go and talk to that person. I feel like going down that street. Some reason I feel like just going around Manchester praying. You're like, sometimes you, people get those prompts. So often we look at this text and we think, unless an angel appears, it's not God. God's working within us. Sometimes these nudges, these fidgets, you've got to respond. He, he, he's leading, guiding, moving you somewhere to someone. Are we open? Listening to God. God wants to reach people through us. We're a channel of his grace, his love, his mercy. The reality of Jesus, we are a channel of him flowing through us. And sometimes... It is to people that look completely different than us. Most often than not, actually. Different culture, race, age, background, life stage. We see this here in the life of Philip encountering this Ethiopian man. A Jew and a black man. Completely different. Completely different. The question is, are we open? Are we open or are we just simply waiting to talk to people that look like us, that sound like us, that respond like us? Verse 29 says, And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So not only did he say, Get up and go south, but while he's there, he's like, I'm going to speak to that man in that chariot. See, Philip continued to sense and follow the voice of God. He's leading his direction. God led him to a man from a completely different culture. See, this gospel is spreading from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and it's now meeting a different culture. This gospel, this good news of Jesus, a Jew and an Ethiopian sat in a chariot. Sounds like the start of a joke somehow. <laughs> I don't mean to say it that way, but a Jew and the, an Ethiopian sat in a chariot and this Ethiopian man reading the Jewish scriptures. Unbelievable. Has God set this up or what? Tom Wright, I love Tom Wright. Tom Wright says, 
we should ponder the fact that the first non-Jew to come to faith and baptism in Luke's great story is a black man from Africa. And this is remarkable. The first non-Jew to come to faith and baptism in Luke's great story is a black man from Africa. We need to see, friends, that this is now one new nation under heaven. One new man, one new tribe, the family of God. Rich, poor, black, white, male, female. Jesus Christ is reconciling humanity to himself to be equals, equally loved, equally important, treasured, made in God's image and likeness. This gospel from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth. All nations are meant to hear this. We've got to be careful that we don't just follow some sort of concept of a Western God in our mind. Like God looks like us, like me. Humanity is made in the image and likeness of God. I love this. Philip meets this Ethiopian man and they are one. They're one. Friends, this is the promise. You'll receive power. You'll be my witnesses. My presence and power will take you to new regions, new places, new people groups. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth. Look at us here in Manchester. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years later, to the ends of the earth. God is looking to express himself through you and me that we would reveal his heart and nature to human beings around us, made in his image. And I just want us to understand that he's preparing opportunities for us all over the place. In your workplace, when you go shopping, in your schools, he's preparing opportunities, divine God opportunities for you and for me. And it's, it's 24-7. Like, our, our faith isn't 9 to 5, Monday to Saturday, and then we do something special on Sunday. Like, this is 24-7. He's always preparing. There's divine moments, God setups. We just need to be aware. So firstly, it's important that we listen to God, remain receptive. God, what are you saying to me? Let my antenna be up looking at people around me. Where are you leading and guiding me? And then secondly, from listening to God, it's really important that we begin to listen to people. We listen to people. Meeting folk where they're at. This involves listening to people. Philip heard this man reading the scriptures, but rather than just crashing in like a bull in a china shop and telling him what he needs to do, he asks a question. In verse 30, he said, do you understand what you're reading? I think this is profound because I'm a terrible listener. Like, quite honestly, I can often, in chatting to one of my friends, Katie, Andy, and, and they'll be putting their opinions across and I'm just glazed over because I'm just too quick to get my opinion across, very often, if I'm honest. But Philip's, he's doing something different here. He hears him reading. So he could have gone on, gone in with this great evangelistic gusto, kicking the chariot door open, this is all, let me tell you what this is about. But he asks him. He meets him and says, do you know what you're reading? The temptation might have been just to jump in with no real curiosity, no real dialogue or conversation, just this is what you need. This is what you need to do. And we're so good at this. Aren't, aren't we? Like, many of you are brilliant listeners. Many of you are looking to, for ways to get Jesus in rather than just kind of treating people like a project. 
But I think we're too quick to talk. We're slow to listen. And we completely miss, actually, the questions that people are actually asking. We try to give them the, the questions. We try to answer our own questions. But I think, I think Philip is modelling something to us here. It doesn't say it, but I think it's, it's, it's hinted here. He's saying, hey, where are you at? What do you think? What do you think you're reading? I think it's important that we look for helpful starting points. I've been, as we've been preparing different messages, I've got this brilliant little kind of daily devotional slash mini commentary by a guy called Phil Moore. He's excellent. He's a leader within the New Frontiers family of churches. Phil Moore, just a stellar guy. And he's written a, a, a Bible commentary called Straight to the Heart series. I think he's done every book in the Bible now. But there's one on Acts, and he uses this, this story, Philip and the Ethiopian. He, he says it's important that we, what Philip was doing was looking for a starting point. And he, he used the analogy of like the channel tunnel, like the channel tunnel, where it wasn't how did they dig the channel tunnel. It wasn't just from the English side straight across, and it wasn't from the French side straight across, but they both dug from their directions, and they met somewhere there or thereabouts in the middle. Can you imagine the task of that? Like, even if you're an inch off, it's like ruined. But they met in the middle. There was this pursuit of each other. And, and I like the analogy here because it's about us thinking of starting points. Where can I start? Where can I just make a hook? Where can I hear where this person's at? Where can I create a starting point to hear them, to meet them where they are? And it's important because I think we need to ask people the questions that they're actually asking or, or give people the freedom to ask <laughs> their own questions. And not this, I was saying this to Katie earlier, not this kind of one-size-fits-all gospel presentation. Yeah. Here's your one-size T-shirt. Look how ridiculous it looks <laughs> on you. <laughs> um, now, I want to be careful. I want to be careful because we know, we know the only way to salvation is through Jesus. And I know some of you might be twitching. Oh, he's going he's gonna to be liberal here. He's going to undermine everything. No. I know the only way to God the Father is through his son, Jesus Christ. But the way in which we help people get there varies. Yeah. If we just try to do this one size fits all, we're going to close doors all the way around us. Everywhere we go, if we just look at people like a project and this is what they need to hear without asking, hey, what are you reading? What questions are you asking? What questions are you wrestling with? What, do, what does life look like for you right now? What is our culture actually asking? Because I think we can go out, doo, 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 like Christians like standing on street corners, shouting to the world rather than being in the world, like Jesus, walking amongst the world, and relating to people where they're at and finding hook points, starting points, connection points that help, like Philip does, say, hey, can I help you? Can I, what, are you what do you think this is all about? What do you think life is all about? Why do you think we're here? And helping people see Jesus from that point. Because very often I think we're scratching where no one's itching if we're not careful. Um, Hear me straight, I, know, I believe the Bible, like all have sinned and fall short. I realise that outside of Christ we're dead <laughs> in sin, I realise that. But the way in which we get Jesus across to people will vary. Yeah. And it's fascinating that Philip here, he simply asks a question, do you know what you're reading? And then allows space for this man to answer. 
know effectively. How can I unless someone guides me? Can you help? You know, I'm paraphrasing, it's, it seems that way. Philip's like, sure. So he invites him in. I think this is brilliant. This Ethiopian man invites Philip in. Doors are open. Philip didn't have to barge his way in or try and convince him otherwise. I love that. How are we creating friendships and connections around us where people are like, hey, I want to talk to you about that. I want to talk to you about that. Can you come and help? Can you come and answer some of the questions I might have about life? Man, we can do that. When I was first saved, oh, I cringe now. I literally bite my fist some of the things I used to do. I used to try and sit my friends down when they were drunk and read the Bible to them. <laughs> it just didn't work. I, I'd buy my friend a Bible and he'd say, thanks, <laughs> without any real reference point of, would you like one? Would you like to find out more? You know, remember our, our own wedding, like the person d- doing the address was preaching the gospel like full on. I was a zealous new Christian there. I was like, let them have it. <laughs> I looked behind me and my friends and family were cringing in their seats. So I'm just saying, hey, we've, let's be wise. Let's look at what humanity are actually asking, what our friends are actually asking. Let's look to open doors, not firmly shut them and then put a metal bar behind them. So a few challenges. Are we taking time to actually listen to people and actually give them space to meet them where they are? What are you reading? What does life look like for you, like I've said? Or are we simply just trying to answer our own questions? God is clearly leading Philip right God had clearly set this up but it wasn't a done deal there was a partnership that Philip had to do Philip still had to do the important and hard work of connecting building a bridge starting with this hook starting point for this man not just a gung-ho approach the Lord has spoken repent drop to like throw him over his shoulder and drag him into the kingdom somehow he didn't Philip met this man reading the scriptures and revealed Jesus to him. So it's important we listen to God. Where is God leading and guiding? Follow that. Obey that. Listen to people, man. Listen to the hearts of people, how they're hurting, how they're confused, because Jesus is the answer. Look for clever ways to reveal Jesus. And then thirdly, I want to say, Bring them to the Lord. I don't know how else to say this. Lead them to Jesus. Reveal Jesus. This man is reading the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 53, referenced here. And in verse 34, he says, who's this prophet talking about? Who is, is it about him or is it about someone else? And he would have also read incredible things. It doesn't say it here, but if he's got Isaiah 53, it's the suffering servant. It's all about Jesus. Verse 4 and 6, they'll come up on the screen. Um, Let me just read this to us. I remember when I was on training, a theological training, believe it or not, (laughs) um, in London, uh, one of our lecturers, a beautiful man called Mick Taylor, if you ever watch this, Mick, you're amazing. He read this out to us, a group of us in the class, and he'd been a Bible scholar for years. And as he read these verses out from Isaiah, he just began to weep. Because it struck him again, this is what my saviour has done for me. So as we read these verses, 
When you think about Jesus, I want you to think about what this means for you. What this Ethiopian must have been thinking reading this. Verse 4 and 6, 4 to 6. Surely he took up our pain and he bore our suffering. Yet we considered him, this is Jesus, punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced. He was stabbed. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we're healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Who is this referring to? Imagine the Ethiopian reading this in his chariot. Then Boom, Philip's there and he's like reading this. Do you want me to show you? Can you help me? Who is this talking about? Who is this talking about? Jesus, the suffering servant, the one promised to us, the one sent from heaven to earth to restore humanity to God, our wonderful saviour. That's who it's talking about. In Acts, this same, this same text that we're looking at, Acts 8, verse 35, it says, Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, told him the good news about Jesus. He said, hey, do you know what you're reading? How can I unless someone helps me? Peter helps him. He says, who is this talking about? And it says, Phil, sorry, Philip, <laughs> get my P's muddled up again. <laughs> Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news of Jesus. I love it. See, this is the starting point. This was the hook. This was the moment of connection. This is where he wanted to build a bridge to. I'll show you what you're reading. Can you see what you're reading? I love this. Beginning with this scripture. Philip took what this man was already reading and revealed Jesus. You know, I think we can listen to people and not listen, almost la, 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 not hearing their heart and then come from a different direction. It means nothing but he revealed Jesus. It's like earlier in Acts 2, when the onlookers hear Peter this time <laughs> preaching this incredible sermon, preaching this message of Jesus, and it says they were cut to the heart. And they said, what must we do about this? Similar, what am I reading? Who is this about? What must we do? Philip allowed the scriptures to speak for themselves, the power and the truth of God's word that is living and active See, these scriptures were already opening this man's heart. I want to I encourage you, friends. This, this is powerful. This is powerful. You can write all over it. Don't scribble it out. You can make your notes. You can, but I want you to know that this is powerful. If you read this and you try to encounter Jesus through it, you will. This is powerful. And this man, his heart was already being stirred, so much so that... Philip was able to lead him to Jesus through these scriptures. Verse 36 onwards, look at the rest of, from ver, the, verse 36 to 39. Effectively, he's like, look, there's plenty of water there. There's enough water. What stops me being baptised? Stop! Commands the chariot to come to a halt. They jump out. Philip and this eunuch go down to the water, get baptised. Philip is carried away somehow. And this eunuch, this Ethiopian eunuch, goes on his way rejoicing. This shows me that his life is utterly transformed. He's sitting there reading, who is this about? He encounters Jesus through the power of his word and Jesus transforms him. He gets baptised. Ultimately, 
Friends, it's about us helping people find Jesus for themselves. Whatever life looks like, whatever they're going through, whatever questions humanity have, whatever questions your family, your friends, your colleagues have, it's about you and I helping them to a place of meeting Jesus, the risen one. It's about bringing them to a place of encounter. Jesus, this is about you. And it's about showing someone that Jesus is who you're looking for. Jesus is who you're looking for. The human heart longs, longs for its questions to be answered. I don't know about you, but my heart is full of questions. It has been, but Jesus satisfies. Jesus answers a lot of the questions, all of the questions of the human heart. Why am I here? What happens next? What on earth is life all about? What's the purpose? What's the meaning? If you've got those questions, Jesus is the one that answers them. Just as we finish, my, my story, I've, many of you would have heard this, my friend Gary created a starting point for me to first encounter Jesus sat on a forklift truck in a factory in Hastings in the year 2000. Sounds like the start of a song. That was a starting point. That was a starting point. And he met me where I was at. He allowed me to ask the questions I had and he helped me find my way back to God, my creator, through Jesus. Do you know what? This led to a journey. He told me about Jesus on a forklift truck. Led to me doing an alpha course, led to me encountering Jesus, and led to me being baptized, and now becoming a follower of Christ. So friends, I'm going to close in worship, but I want us to remember, we are on this planet to reach people with the love of Christ. We are called to serve humanity, not just simply live a good moral life until we go to a better place, but we're called to serve humanity, to let the light, the love, the mercy, the peace, the grace of Christ our Saviour flow through us. We are called to help people find their way back to God. So I want to encourage you, find creative connection points. Find starting points where you meet people where they're at and help reveal Jesus. How can we do this together? We listen to God, we listen to people, and we find ways to bring them to the Lord, to bring Jesus into their reality. So I just want to pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your precious Son, the Lord Jesus. Precious Holy Spirit, I thank you that you have made Jesus a reality in our hearts. Thank you that you've washed us. Thank you that you've cleansed us. Thank you that you've made us new. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you now live and abide and dwell within us. Thank you that you're speaking. I pray that we would always have ears and hearts and eyes that are open to you leading and guiding and moving. Thank you in advance that you're creating opportunities for us to meet with people. God set ups, divine opportunities for us to help people find their way back to God. So I just, uh, I just simply ask, precious Jesus, precious Jesus, precious Jesus, lead us, guide us, Thank you that you use us as part of your great story to reconcile all things to yourself. 
So we say you're wonderful, wonderful saviour. We give you all the praise. Amen. Amen.